0: Hey guys, it's Elaine, host of Raising Deaf Kids, where we get weekly encouragement, education, and feel empowered to raise our deaf kids as hearing parents together. So grab your coffee and let's get started. Hey guys, I'm so excited to introduce this podcast to you today. Today on the podcast, I have Kayla Armas. And I know Kayla locally in North Carolina. She and I have become friends as we both have worked together to support local moms and parents of kids with hearing loss in the Triangle area of North Carolina. And Kayla is a parent consultant with the Eddy program in North Carolina. The EDDIE program is um, early hearing detection intervention, and every state has one, and she works with the one in our state. Um, She has been a fabulous resource for other parents, and specifically, she has done so much work with the Spanish-speaking community in North Carolina, and even started the first parent support group specifically for the Spanish-speaking community in the Triangle of North Carolina, and has since built out that support to other areas of the state as well. She has so much great information. Her story is amazing. And without further ado, here is Kayla. Kayla, welcome to the Raising Deaf Kids podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. I know that you're going to help so many parents with what you have to say today. So thank you for taking your time and coming on with us. Thank you for inviting Um, me. Yeah. So I would love to just start with hearing your story. I know you have a son with hearing loss and who has cochlear implants. So I would just love to you know, hear your background and a little bit of your story with your son. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, yes. I am from Guatemala, Central America. Uh, and I moved to USA when I was, I don't want to say, my age. So I will say 20 years ago, I moved to USA. (laughs) And, and yeah, when I have my son, David, um, the doctors told me that he didn't pass the, the hearing um, newborn test that they do at the hospital. And that was a totally shock for me because I wasn't expecting that. So, I, and of course, I didn't know anything about it because anyone in my family had hearing loss and I didn't know anyone with hearing loss. And then, of course, being in this country that I didn't speak the language, I didn't speak English in that time, it was really hard. So, he was born with bilateral, profound, sensory, sensory neural hearing loss, and of course, that 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 type of hearing loss for me was what is that (laughs) and and what that means and it was a lot of a lot of questions in my head when they told me that and after they did all the tests that they needed to to do to get the diagnosis they told me that the cause of uh, his hearing loss was the connection 26 c 26 i think that's how it is and so doctors, yeah. When when the doctors scheduled the the final test, and they they gave me the the they gave me the. I'm sorry, it's. Okay, I I just, yeah, Yeah, they gave me the diagnosis, and then they told me that he has that type of hearing loss, and that was when he was uh, two months old, and he received, um, and then he started, uh, he was referred to early intervention, the early intervention program, and when David was three months old, he began wearing a hearing aid and receiving speech therapies at home. David was my first baby, so she was not prepared to... I was not prepared for the diagnosis, and it was very difficult for me to understand and accept the situation I was living with him. I felt sad, overwhelmed, and hopeless. After some time with depression because uh, that was a really hard time for me. I realized that I was the only person my son had to help him to be successful in life. So I decided to go to therapies to strengthen myself emotionally and be able to face what I was living with my son instead of crying because it was a really hard time and I was crying all the time and I, I'm, I'm sure all the parents uh, had that situation too. I I'm, When they had that situation, it's that's uh, that is very. I mean, that's what we do, cry, because we are sad. <laughs> I yeah. connected with beginning the beginning organization and they gave me information and I started learning about hearing loss. I read about cochlear implants, but I wasn't sure if that was what I wanted for my son because they told me about the, the surgery and the risk that it comes with it. So all I knew was that I wanted to, <clears throat> to be able to talk with him to hear him to call me mom and to be able to talk with my family that was in Guatemala that only speak uh, Spanish and um, So after some time, I asked the early intervention teacher if it was possible to meet another child with the same situation as uh, as mine. And and she was very kind and took me to meet a family with an um, older child uh, with cochlear implants. And when I went to visit that family and seeing uh, this, uh, this kid, Talking with his parents and his siblings, that gave me a little relief as a mom, but I was still wondering if my son was going to be able to, to become bilingual, to speak Spanish and English, to learn both languages because of his uh, the profound uh, hearing loss that he has. So unfortunately at that time, I, I didn't know anyone that speaks Spanish around me and especially a family that has a child with hearing loss. And and also ten years ago, thirteen years ago, he's thirteen now. It was very hard to find to find information in Spanish. Uh, when I started researching and looking for information, everything that I found was in English. And there was some some information in Spanish, but it was in in a different state or a, yes, it, it not around me. So uh, it was very difficult. After receiving his yeah. first hearing aid, I noticed that he was reacting to some noises, very loud noises, so, like a drum or a motorcycle or an airplane. But I didn't re- She didn't. Uh, he didn't react to my voice or music or any other soft noises. So I, I was still sad. I, I didn't I I didn't still know what was gonna happen to to him i always read him books because i knew how important it was to be reading books and talk to him and taking him to places and 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 share uh, and and led him to be exposed to different noises and different people and all that so i always did that because the the teacher from early intervention told me that it was very important to stimulate his auditive nerve i think that's how i call so oh. i kept talking to him reading books and and taking him to different places to expose him to different sounds when he turned one, he received his first cochlear implant. The surgery was scary for me, but I saw big changes in his hearing. He started noticing my voice. He started making more noises, paying attention to my voice when he read when I read the books to him and paying attention to the noises around him. So that made me to work more with him and try to be more like a talking and that that gave me energy as his mom (laughs) to continue working more and reading books and talking and singing and doing everything that was i was able to do So uh, yeah, I I started talking uh and singing all the time, dancing, going to farms, going to different activities with him. It was a very, um, very good, very wonderful change in him. And when I started... Working with him with sounds and all that, I, I did it all in Spanish because in that time my English system still not very good, but in that time it was terrible. <laughs> so no, that was fantastic. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So everything that I did with him was in Spanish. So he learned to, to speak Spanish first. Uh, and when he was uh, a year and two months after his first uh, cochlear implant, he received the second the second cochlear implant came to 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 clarify the noise the noise for him or to know exactly where the noise was coming from the first one where when i saw the big change the second one was more like to complement he, he the second one came to complement the noises
0: or the sounds that he was hearing so i could so do you work. got it. one at a time you got one at a time yes we had to do two surgeries yeah yes yes when he
1: Mm -hmm. turned one he received one and then the other one when he was two so yeah so and I continued working with him every week the therapist came to the house and gave us a new goal and I tried to make that that goal was Full fit, but every by next week when she comes so we move on to a different goal so i i put all my effort into helping him and yeah and then when he turned three he started going to school and started receiving therapists in english and i still continue talking spanish with him at home and he started learning english and i think he learned english faster than i i thought so he learned english really really quick and now he is uh, 13 years old he's bilingual speak english and spanish Mm -hmm. and he's very confident confident in himself he enjoys life and and he is uh, um, learning sign language because he, he goes to different activities where there are children that use sign language to communicate and he wants to be able to, to communicate with them. So in after that experience that I have, I I began to uh, get involved with in helping families, especially families that speak Spanish only, and who in families that were living the same situation that I that my son has, and and I opened a Facebook uh, support group for Latino families who have children with hearing loss and. Or other disabilities, and the, the the group is called Triunfa Caracol Latino. That in English will be Triumph Snail Latino Snail. I think that's how it will translate. It's hard to translate.
0: So yeah. Yeah, I, okay. I think it makes more sense in Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it though. I love that name, and yeah, just to clarify for everyone, you opened those up in the state that we're in, in North Carolina yeah, for the local in North Carolina. Um, Latino yes, I, families. I, uh...
1: Yes, I started the first one in the Triangle area, that is mm-hmm. a, a rally during Chapel Hill. And and now that is the biggest group that we have, but I, I have uh, three more. We have three more in North Carolina right now, another one that is in Charlotte, one in Asheville, and one in Wilmington in those areas and all, all of them with the same name, with the same goal to mm-hmm. show families that they are not alone, that we are here to support them. And I also started doing some volunteers with nonprofit organization to support the Spanish, the Spanish community and, um. Well, I don't know if I can mention some of them, but some of them that I have been helping them a lot is the Care Project and Beginnings Mm -hmm. and also the Audiology Clinic of Duke and Mm -hmm. UNC and some other organizations like Cochlear that are the ones that do the cochlear implants or Medel. That is also a big organization that I have been trying to help them too. And just by finishing my story, just want to tell that in 2022, I, I started working with Eddie Eddie program, North Carolina Eddie program. It's early hearing detection and intervention program that uh, this uh, program oversees the um, oversees the newborn hearing. Screening and follow up for infants and young children found to have hearing loss. I started working with them, especially to support the Latino community. But of course, I am available to any other family that would like to get in touch with me and need uh, some support, or uh, if they need to know about resources about them, I am now able to get some resources through that program that can help those families.
0: Yeah, and Eddie, is that, you can let me know, is that a program that other states have as well? You yes, know. yes, okay. this program
1: is in each state. Okay. And yes, they have the same goal. Uh, the other goal is to reduce or remove potential um, negative impacts of hearing loss through early detection and early intervention. And okay. their goal is to have all babies screen for hearing loss by one month of age, and diagnose infants for failed screening by three months of age, and then enroll infants into early intervention programs by six months of age.
0: Okay. Yeah. And that's fantastic. And that is, you know, something that I am always telling parents to like not opt out of the newborn hearing screen. Cause there's a lot of, it, it used to be a little bit more kind of when the like health thing all came on the internet, which I mean, I'm all for healthy living, but the same time there's a lot of like, don't do these like interventions to babies in the hospitals. And there's a lot of back and forth. I don't know if that's still a thing, but you know, one of the things is like, don't have your babies do, you know, these extra tests and stuff. But like my story was the same way with both of my boys who have cochlear implants, same type of hearing loss as your son. We found out they were born deaf. So we found out from that newborn hearing screening that they, you know probably couldn't hear. and then that kicked off, you know, at the same thing going you know, at two months to get the longer like audiology tests. and then that kicked off everything else when we found out that they did have the profound sensor. No, I always say that wrong hearing loss and they need the cochlear implants which we we expected a little bit like the second time around the first time around was also a shock for us because we don't have anyone in our family with hearing loss and the second time around when i had like the exact same pregnancy as the first we were like okay this baby probably is deaf and we were a little bit more prepared the second time around but i'm always telling parents like If you want to refuse other things, that's fine. It's your choice. But do not refuse the hearing screening because it's non-invasive. Like It doesn't hurt the baby. It doesn't bother them. But knowing before you leave the hospital, if there are any hearing concerns and then being able to be referred is so important, right, in getting those early interventions for- the kids I mean can we talk about what those early interventions do you know what um, I mean what you know do you think those early interventions, like you know do they help parents is it helpful to you know get the kids like implanted sooner what do you think yeah. about getting yeah, those hearing I- loss screenings
1: I always tell the families that I work with, um, especially the Latinos families that uh, are new to this country and they don't know exactly how everything works here or how the systems work. I always tell them that it it is not going to hurt your baby to know or or to have a a hearing test if uh, they don't have anything. Okay thank God, let's continue. If they have something, it's better to know. And and thank God that we are in this country that they are doing this uh, test in a very early age. So they don't really get behind in their language uh, because many of them have been finding out that their children can't hear or they don't have a very, they have some hearing loss until they start speaking or, and then mm-hmm. it's when they found out. Or Some of them, they start school. So I always, it will be always good to to do the test. And I'm so glad that I think most of the hospitals now are doing the test when they are born, Mm -hmm. when babies are born. Families that came to this country and they their babies were not born here, which is I try to tell them, okay, if if is your possibilities, please take your kid to an audiology or ask for a referral from your paediatrician so you can so you to know if they are fine with the hearings or if they need some help the um, the intervention programs that they have in this country they are wonderful I always will be in favor of taking them especially the ones that are that we don't have to pay them that they are covered from insurance or they are, free there are many intervention many help for free in this country so i they are very helpful for our children i remember that they were the ones that make me wanted to help my son because they told me they explained to me how how that was going to help him because I have no idea. I think if I never had the teacher from early intervention to come to my house and teach me how to teach my son the sounds or the person from beginnings to come to my house and explain to me how the hearing loss was going to affect him. I think with all those people, without without that help, I don't think I was going to be able to to do all what I did to help my son. Because for us, it's something totally new. It's something that we mm-hmm. are not used to. It's something that we don't have in our in our countries. And, okay. and they don't really do all these intervention to little babies if they really, if they need some. So yes, mm-hmm. I, I will always encourage parents to accept the help and try to do the best that you
0: can. Yeah, and I mean, how amazing that you, you know, had a baby in this country with hearing loss, which is not the country that you grew up in, and you didn't speak English yet, especially not now, and you still navigated the health system, which is like, amazing, Kayla. (laughs) Hard to, yeah, it's hard for, you know people you know like me who are born in the united states and no i mean i you know i have questions i mean i don't know how to get stuff a lot of times our healthcare system is not easy and especially for people new to this country like you said you know the healthcare systems in other countries are obviously very different and just the way you you move through treatments and get referrals for doctors? How do you even like get in touch with doctors? I just think that is amazing that you were able to navigate through that. So props to you. And yes, and so I think we touched on, you know, how did you, if you can remember back, I know it was a long time ago and you've come so far with you and your son. I mean, do you remember how you even like started navigating, um, you know, this healthcare system? Was it just like, someone referred you and then they just like kept referring you and you kept asking questions or you know for for someone if they're listening who you know just came to this country you know even if they're not Spanish speaking because i've definitely you know have listeners and audience who are even coming from different countries you know with different languages but they're trying to navigate the healthcare system and they're trying to teach their kids you know, English, because that's, you know, the language of our school system. But they also, you know, want their children to speak their home language and be able to speak to their family who may be in a different country. So that that feels like it's a lot of extra for someone who speaks a different language and is coming into the country new, even more than, you know, like what we're having to do because I'm just teaching my kids one language, English, you know, and you're navigating a lot. So do you even remember how you started navigating for parents who are wondering, like, how do I even s- start this process in a different country?
1: Yes. Oh, no. Believe me, that it it is really hard and but that's right into your here. brain. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that is uh, why I'm here, because I know that it, it's very important that families know uh, where to go. And it, it's hard, even like you say, people who were born here, people who speak the language very well, they still get confused so imagine us that <laughs> we don't speak mm-hmm. the language very good or we are were never oh, no we were never used to be in those um uh, mm-hmm. in in that type of system uh, how the system work in our country we never had that so yeah about your question that you say uh, how i started and uh, it took me a little a little while to to start looking and for information and understanding everything because first I had that mix of feelings like first I didn't accept what was happening with my son because uh, no one in my family had anything and of course my family were telling me I think that is a mistake we don't think that is right because we don't have anyone in the family that has that situation and and uh, hearing loss. We don't have a background or, or um, anyone with hearing loss in our family. So first, I needed to accept the situation that I was living with my son. And then I needed to get help for me because my emotions were all over and it was like a mix of everything. And then when when I went to therapy and I talked with someone, I think that person helped me to to put my feelings in order. When I was in that point, probably that took like around three months after my son was born. When I was in that point, it was when I started looking for information. First, I just looked for information online to understand his type of hearing loss, to understand that I what I what I needed to do to help him. And then Uh, how I was going to be supporting him and helping him to, to be successful in life. So yes, so I started like after three months and then it was very important. I think it is important and it was important for me to feel to force manage my feelings that it was it's, it's it's different for everyone it's not the same thing for each family for each parent and but and and it was important for me to to go get help for me first to to feel better and accept the situation and then i started looking for help for my son And accepting, accepting all the help that they offer me. That was something very, very good that I, to accept the help because they helped me to understand many things because those are professionals. Those are people who, who knows what they are doing. That is people who, who know the system. So yes, I, um, I, I just started searching by myself and then, I started asking questions to the people from beginning, from early intervention and from Mm -hmm. any other people that was coming to me.
0: Yeah. And I love that you are touching on, you know, that you said that you went to therapy at the beginning to grieve through the process of, you know, uh, understanding your child's hearing loss. And that is something that is not talked about. And I don't know why it's like people don't ever so thank you for sharing that, because people don't ever want to admit that, you know, they went to therapy. I think one of the things that is the most surprising to parents is that there is a grieving process. And I think a lot of parents think that if they're upset that their kids have hearing loss, that they like don't accept their kids right you know or that they don't like love their kids as much or they don't think their kids are you know as perfect the way they are and that's a hundred percent not true at least in my experience you can love your kids so much and you're obviously you do because you're doing all of these extra things for them that other people with typical hearing kids just don't have to do. And I know because I have a third little, I have a three, a two year old, a little girl who is regular hearing and I didn't have to do anything to her. (laughs) She just started talking one day. I mean, I, you know, it's, it is very different from what I had to do with my boys and continue to have to do with them who have the cochlear implants. And we're still doing speech therapy and still working on that and still working on sign language with them. They're seven and five. Whereas, you know, my little girl just started talking, just started like literally doing everything herself. So I've had both experiences and it is more. And yeah there's a grieving process and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that you don't love your kids or, you know, you're not doing for them or that you don't accept them. It's just that it turned out differently from what you expected when you, you know, are pregnant, especially when you're a mom and you're like carrying the child and having the child, you don't expect to have a child with hearing loss. And unlike some other you know, disabilities or some other things that you may be able to, like, genetically figure out. Like, sometimes you can know ahead of the pregnancy, which may or may not be good or helpful, but with hearing loss, you don't know until the baby is born. And so it's kind of like you're put into this world that you in no way, like, prepared for (laughs) and couldn't prepare for unless you did have hearing loss in your family. And so I love that you're talking about that. I also ended up going to therapy as well, but just like last year. So this was just like six years (laughs) into the journey, but it helped me immensely. I didn't realize that, you know, at the time I didn't grieve their hearing loss in like fully, you know, it's just like, you're getting all this information and I just kept going, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I was okay, but it took me like time. I finally realized, oh, I need to like really, you know, grieve this process and work through this process of like things turned out differently for my kids and still things are still going to be different for them than they are going to be for my hearing little girl, especially my five-year-old who speaks mostly with ASL, with sign language right now. His communication and the amount of people he's going to be able to communicate with is going to be different than someone who can speak, is regularly speaking. And so, you know, I guess my question is, does the grieving or the having to accept things, does that ever end? (laughs) Or because your kid, your um, son is just a little bit older than mine, because I feel like there is still a little bit of a process, like, at, you know, at every level, we're really happy. Like my seven year old is like one of the top readers in his class. And that's fantastic. You know, we're celebrating. But then there's also things like um, when I recently went to a birthday party with my five year old and, you know, one of the parents said, yeah, my kid who's in his class, he's in kindergarten this year, you know, really like says that he likes your son, um, but he just can't talk to him because my son speaks sign language and he, you know, he doesn't speak sign language. He doesn't go to a deaf school, Um, which isn't really a thing in North Carolina. Other other states have like deaf schools, but North Carolina really only has two and it's not very um, accessible. So, I mean, in your view, just to help our parents out and to just tell them it's okay. that you're upset by a diagnosis. It doesn't mean that you don't love your kid or don't accept your kid. Um, Does the acceptance process ever end? Or are you (laughs) still going through? I, I don't think, I mean, I
1: think these, the parents worry or the moms worry it doesn't have to, anything to do only with hearing loss. I think we all worry for our kids. Yeah. It doesn't matter if, yeah, they have no problem, if they have anything different or not. But um, it's important to not, to the parents to know that it is normal to feel overwhelmed. It's normal to feel the way we are feeling at the beginning because, it, because it's uh, it's something that we are, were not expecting. So, it, it is normal, and it's okay to take some time to process the, the situation, and it's okay to, to get help. In our culture, it's a little hard to understand that those mix of feelings are normal we are like oh stop crying you are tough you can do it and yes yeah it's important to know that too but also it's important to to take the time that you need to process everything if Mm -hmm. you do that and then you will be able to to support your child in a better way like you said you were okay but and then you ended going to to get help Mm -hmm. to get a therapist because we need to learn that we need others that we need help and we we can do things ourselves but still need some support or from organizations mm-hmm. or from family or from anyone else that can support you. In yeah. in my situation, not having my family around me, it was really hard. So I am glad that I did went for help when I needed because that was very helpful to mm-hmm. understand and, and accept. If it's going to end at some point, the worry will be, or the feelings will be less intensive, like it was from the beginning, for me. But I will be always worried for my kids, for my yeah. son. <laughs> yeah. For and we have some talks sometimes, and he tell me, "I wish I didn't have to be wearing hearing aids," and and that hurts me as as his mom, and I feel like. I wish mm-hmm. to, but that's what it is, and we need to accept it, and we need to continue, and we need to do all we can to, to, to uh, be successful and 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 be happy. Uh, what is more important for me is for him to be happy, for him to be mm-hmm. comfortable. and And the age that he is right now, my son is thirteen. So at the age of thirteen, is really hard. Mm-hmm. He started middle school. He's in eighth grade right now.
0: And, a, a grade eight right yeah, middle now. school is a hard age i used to that i used to teach hard. before doing all of oh. those my original job was a teacher and i taught high school but i have a k through 12 so i can teach k through 12 and i did a little bit of student teaching with like the little kids the elementary school they mm-hmm. were cute i actually really liked teaching high school middle school i would not touch yeah. so I, I middle school I know people that teach middle school, they do a fantastic job with it, and they love it, but I could, it is a really hard age, and a lot of kids are really, can be mean, like, just to be mean. Oh,
1: yeah, they they are mean at that age, and I am trying to talk with my son and support him and all I can, and the war is always there. I want to give him all, um, I want him to know that I am here for him and I think that is something very important that when they know that we are by their side and not against them that helps them a lot and yeah I mean I still sometimes when I tell my story when uh to people I still feel I I want to cry sometimes and and it's okay I mean um it's not uh, every time, but and it's not from the beginning, like uh, yeah. like the beginning when how I was feeling, because yeah. now I know more about the situation. I know what I'm dealing with. I know how to support my son and I know how to help others. Now I see it as a blessing because now I have the opportunity to be helping others and helping especially the families that are having the same situation that I had with my son. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. um, It will never end, but it will get better.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that is really encouraging to other parents for sure. Thank you so much for sharing that about your journey. Something else real quick, because I want to respect your time, but I know, you know, some of our listeners would love, and I would love to know what are some challenges that you see around like hearing loss for specifically like spanish-speaking families that you you know have been working with um are there different challenges than someone yes. say who uh, me who you know knows the language has grown up here yeah. are there are yeah. there different challenges mm-hmm.
1: yeah one of the biggest one is the language of course and not knowing how to navigate in the system but we also face special challenges that are a legal status in this country or the lack of a license the lack of an insurance all those things will it will make a difference in a latino family because they 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 will have like many doors closed if they don't have an an identification or if they don't have a legal status or if their children were not born here so the help it's reduced for them. And it's also many of the moms that are the ones that are in charge of taking the kids to the doctor, many of them don't, don't drive. So that is another situation that is making families not showing up to appointments mm-hmm. and and also not knowing what to do or don't or or, or when they don't see how important it is, how how urgent it is to take that to, to do what I, they need to do in the moment. That it's, uh, it's a mm-hmm. very to don't let them to to be, be get behind too long, like too much. So so get the service at the moment that they can do it. They can get it. Mm-hmm. Another thing is like the families also. When I talk to them, sometimes they they don't trust. So it's important. I always tell um, audiologists or or professionals that talk to them, please go uh, tell them things in a very direct way so they understand exactly what they are dealing with, and and don't try to make it. Sweet, like some. Sometimes we try to to make it done to origins because it is. Mm-hmm. It's important to to take them to the appointments to put the hearing aids on every day and to try to work with them at home as much as we can so their language is improving and things like that. So they don't take it like maybe they can hear and, and the audiology just uh, is mistaken in him or mm-hmm. things like that. So it's it's important to be very direct, to be clear in what they, we need to do to support our kids and to tell them what will happen if we don't, if we don't work with them, they were, they are not going to learn to, to speak if, if you don't try to, and if that is what you choose to do, or if they choose, or if they want them to learn sign language. And then the parents also needs to learn sign language and mm-hmm. because yeah, that, that will be the way to, to support their kids. So, Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that yeah, that is thank you so much for sharing that and letting audiologists and speech therapists know kind of how to interact with this community a little bit better and how to talk to them a little bit better. Did you so I know some of our listeners, some have been Spanish speaking, others have been from different countries. They've expressed that one of the hardships that seems to be specific to people who maybe who were born in a different country, although certainly I think this Pr- could apply to a lot of different people but I have heard people in this community express like difficulty with extended family not accepting the hearing mm-hmm. loss and making it harder on the parents because they're saying things like I'm just going to keep praying for the hearing loss to go away mm-hmm. which in reality I mean I have a lot to say which is a whole other podcast episode i yeah. probably do mm-hmm. about how the church is getting this wrong but you know or you know a lot of like they like they think you know there's a family members keep telling them like it's gonna go away or it's gonna get better or there's mm-hmm. not like and and they said that it's making it harder on us because like we accept our kids mm-hmm. but our extended family members don't do you find that to be relevant in the Spanish-speaking community, because I know that's what my listeners are telling me.
1: <laughs> yes, oh yes, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, in, in each family, every family that uh, it's a Spanish speaker, we uh, have a very. I mean, we have um, a religious root. Very mm-hmm. strong religious roots. So we believe in God. We believe in miracles. We believe in in, in healing. Uh, what is it? Supernatural healing. We believe in things like that. And mm-hmm. and it's okay. I mean, that's uh, what each family. Has and and I remember when I was talking with my family, they they always told me, We are praying for your son and we are praying for a miracle and we are praying that he his hearing loss is going away and he will be good. And and I was, yeah, accepting and say, Okay, every pray that I can get, I will get it. But and then when he received his cochlear implants, I called my mom and I told her the miracle happen because now he can hear but we got a cochlear implant and now he can hear very clear even clearer than I can hear <laughs> and so yes that is that is true that is very true and um, and a lot of our families have uh, they are very involved if if they live close the grandma has a lot to do, the ends, or we have all our extended family very involved in our children's situation. Yeah.
0: yeah. And you have just said something so fantastic. I don't even think you realize that that's going to be so powerful for people to talk about with their family members that the miracle did happen. They can hear. But... It's it's through the technology that we have, because I think most people, you know, they're just like, okay, you know, grandmom or whatever extended family member, like their hearing isn't going to come back. And so it's stressing out the parents because they're like, they're not accepting my kids, but right. like they can hear. Right. So it did happen because, you know, and also, you know, when it, it talks about, I'm also a Christian, but, you know, when it talks about that every single person that God puts in, a certain time period, like, you know, he knows you so well, he put you in the time period that he put you in for a reason. Like he could have put you back in the 1700s, but you, he put you here. Now, yeah. if our kids were born back then, they would just be deaf. They wouldn't be able to hear. They may not even survive, but because they were p- placed at this time, they can hear. And I've said the same thing about my kids as, you know, they were born deaf, but, you know, the Lord made a way for them to hear anyway. Mm-hmm. And the Lord made the way and made them uniquely, you know, my seven-year-old who hears with his implants, he hears very well. He speaks very well. My five-year-old um, who uses sign language has a small cochlear nerve. And so he does not hear as well, even with his implants, which is why we use sign language. But he is so set up, like, in his body to learn silent. like he catches on the sign language really quickly. His motor skills are good. So my seven-year-old's motor skills, his fine motor skills are not as good to like create the signs, but he can talk. So it's like, also the Lord made yeah. our children. Isn't that amazing for not only their time and place, but how, yes. you know, they're going to need to communicate. He already arranged that out for them. And that is so powerful. I don't think many parents have got to respond to Mm -hmm. other family members that way and that's such a true you know way for them Mm -hmm. to respond so thank you for telling our parents that and bringing that up because I think that's going to help them especially families who are religious no matter you know we're Christian but no matter if someone is listening who is Muslim or something you know following another religion it's kind of still the same idea of like this person is going to be miraculously healed But the miracle is the technology, and the miracle is that they were born now. That is fantastic.
1: That is true. It's important to see what good things are happening and not focus on the bad things. Um, Because I always uh, think like we everything that happened to us is with a purpose, and I think my purpose is to support others and. Uh, especially people who are in a different country with a different language, different culture, different systems and different everything. So uh, I think that's my, my call to service and that's why I'm here.
0: Yeah, I love that. I have maybe a couple more questions. Number one question, how can people like me support the Spanish speaking community better with hearing loss? Can we can we do anything can we help can we help support what can we do
1: yeah i think one of the the most important thing is to try to understand the culture try to not to focus on oh we we all assume that you already know this because that is common sense or things like that we don't really Common sense don't really work with someone else because it's different. I mean, we are in a totally different environment, and even that, if we speak English, our culture, our background, everything is different. So, some things that make common sense here, they are not. They don't make common sense. Common sense, or they are not the same for us. Mm. So, just yeah. uh, try to not to treat everyone the same, but. It, uh, Treat everyone the same, but not in that way that um, assuming that they already know something. It's important to mm-hmm. check, um, especially with the Latino community, if they understand something. If not, and then try to support them more than the other ones that they mm-hmm. understand everything exactly how it works. And also think about the culture, about our differences and, and how we see things, that they are different, Um and we grew up in a different country. People who were born here, of course, they are more familiar with all the stuff here, but people who were not born here, and especially people who are from very different, very small towns in Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and any Spanish-speaking countries, some of them, even Spanish, is not their, their first language. They have the good their good point. Own yes so it's important to think about that i i always try to to hold them by hand and teach them everything so even if if maybe it's we think it's simple not for everyone will be simple there are many things that i don't really understand how they work but and some people say oh that is very easy and i was like it's not easy for me (laughs) so yeah just i think try to understand and help them and support them in each way you can and explain them little things and try not to talk with acronyms because we are not familiar with
0: acronyms <laughs> and and everywhere we go, everywhere I go. Those are hard. I mean, yeah, uh, I the mean, regular parent is not familiar with like medical. And honestly, the school system, the acronyms, I, I don't know all of them yeah, either. They, you know, it's just, uh, that's I'm just everywhere. like a general, like <laughs> if you're speaking to parents and you're listening to this and you're a provider, mm-hmm. speaking regular. It's yes.
1: Every, the, everywhere I go to, to office, especially public offices or uh, public mm-hmm. services, uh, I always tell them, please tell me what that means when they say something in an acronym, please tell me ex- the, the long name, please. <laughs> the long yeah. name. So that, that would be helpful for us if uh, everyone that is from here think a little bit about all our different cultures and background and not to treat us different, but to think about those little things that we we have, yes.
0: Okay.
1: To treat us the Great. right way.
0: <laughs> of course, yes. Thank you so much for that advice. That's, that's gonna be helpful for all the rest of us and other providers who are listening as well, for sure. Um, my last question for us is, if there is one tip, um, it doesn't have to be specific to the Spanish speaking community, but it can be if you want it to be. One tip that you can leave parents who are, you know, have kids with hearing loss, they're dealing with hearing loss right now. One tip, one piece of advice, one encouragement. Yeah. What would you tell them? Or it can be two. Yeah.
1: Yeah, of course. I just I <sighs> I never will stop saying, please do all that you can to understand what is the the situation or your child, child." especially the type of hearing loss. It's important to learn about the type of hearing loss of our our children so we know how better support them and do everything that you can at home, reading just by talking with them, describing things to them and reading books. Um, singing, that will be enough to to have a successful um, journey with hearing okay. loss. So that, I think that's my,
0: my advice. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kayla. Right on time, my two-year-old just <laughs> ran into the room. So we're ending right on time. But Kayla, thank you so much for all of your words of encouragement, helping out the... Spanish speaking community, you are just amazing for everything you've done for your son, coming here, getting right. information, and then supporting the Spanish speaking community. We really appreciate you. Thank you so Thank much you for, for having coming me on our podcast. All right. I'm going to say, did you not just get so much out of that conversation with Kayla? She really is a wealth of information. And I know just working with her and being friends with her personally, in my area in North Carolina, she has helped so many parents, not just the Spanish speaking community, but parents all over the state of North Carolina with hearing loss in their children. So here are some of my takeaways from this episode. Number one, grief and acceptance is part of the process of hearing loss with your children. If you can move through the grief and acceptance, then you can better support your children. Number two, it's okay to seek help. Number three, community is so important, especially if you are from out of state or from out of the country and you don't have your family so close to you. Finding your community and finding other parents with kids with hearing loss in your area is so important to get information and to also just talk to people um, about what you're going through. Number four, To learn a language, kids just need to be read to and have conversation. That's literally it, guys. You don't need special toys, you don't need special anything. Talk to them, take them out, talk to them more, and read to them, and they will develop that language. Number five, kids with hearing loss can 100% be bilingual. They can learn Spanish, they can learn English, they can learn ASL they can learn any other type of sign language or any other type of language and they can combine them and that is just fantastic. Number 6. Early intervention is key to get the ball rolling on services for your child. 7. Gentle boundaries in education is essential when you're talking to extended family. So remember your extended family maybe has not had the information that you've had and has also not had the time to accept the hearing loss diagnosis for your child. So be gentle, but also set those boundaries to make sure that you're getting healthy information to you and your child. Number eight, the Lord has a purpose for your child and for you you were born at this time for a reason, your child was born at this time for a reason. Number nine, have patience and don't forget about the education when you are working with or talking to people from a different country. They may not understand the healthcare system as well in this country and they may not know the language as well and it's important to Have patience and continue to educate and try not to use too many acronyms that are very specific to the professional world. And number 10, don't assume that anyone knows anything and don't assume that something is easy for you and so it will be easy for others, which goes with having patience and constant education. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I just loved this episode with Kayla, and I hope you did too. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And if you're loving this podcast, please take one moment to rate and review the podcast. That just bumps us up a little bit more into the algorithm and helps more parents find the podcast and find the information. I hope you have a great day.